It's Thursday, November 21st, 2019, and you're listening to episode 531 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is one hour. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. My name is Chad. And I'm Laura. All right, so let's introduce Laura real quick. You guys probably at least know the name because she has been mentioned as a participant in the group that Chad and Wayne and Dale are in. So she has played in both the D&D game where they had the generational game where you were playing mm-hmm. the children of adventurers. Yep. yep. And now also in the Blades in the Dark game. Yes. And, playing and assassins. The, and the Hollow Earth game. And the Hollow and, Earth game. Yes. And yep. <laughs> we discussed something several episodes back. And if you don't recall the episode or you're new to the show, I'll link it in the show notes, where we were offering advice to Laura because she was going to, as a relatively new player, run a game for a bunch of experienced players, which can be a bit intimidating. And we're going to find out in a moment here how Mm -hmm. that went, what advice worked, what didn't work, and how she actually approached that situation. But before we do, we do have one announcement. I cannot tell you how the Fear the Con Kickstarter went because as of us recording this, it's in its last like two or three days. So it's probably too late to back it but too early for us to know the results mm, so yep. we're going to roll past that I mean, it's happening yeah we're past funding yeah. we're past yes. a couple of the stretch goals would love to see one more stretch goal yeah. get hit more, but even if it doesn't i think one more we, stretch goal is close at this point yeah the mm. one for funding catering at wing night is close mm. but we still got a little bit of ways to go but either way fear the con is happening June 18th for the Social Mixer and Mikey Mason show, June 19th and 20th for the convention itself. So either way, that is occurring. Just hold on for more details as we finish out the Kickstarter and see where we are at. The other thing that I've got for you is there's something that actually went into print. This was a couple months ago, but I avoided mentioning it because of the fact that I didn't want to have people looking in too many directions, you know, mm-hmm. create donor fatigue, whatever. Though this one isn't donation. Well, uh, Chris is really old, so you thought he might die and you wouldn't have to mention it at all. <laughs> yeah, or I was hoping that maybe Social Security would kick in or maybe there's some kind of, like, New Deal government trust scheme that was in place to cover this. He's, like, extra grandfathered into. Yes, yeah. grandfathered in the most literal <laughs> sense <laughs> of the word, mm-hmm. you know, grandfather Abraham type right. grandfathered into. <laughs> but... Chris put out a adventure setting and scenario set for Savage Worlds, Subtle Down Gage. <laughs> so it's published under something called the Savage Worlds Adventurers Guild. And I actually did get an article on PEG, or Pinnacle Entertainment Group, which is the company that publishes the Savage Worlds rule set. And it's a 1980s adventure. But this is not set in the current trend, the current fad of the kids on bikes sort of thing, mm. you know, the yeah. Stephen e. King, Goonies. Stranger thing, yeah. sort of horror mm. mystery sci-fi thing. This is more of a Wolverine's take back the country from the commies. Mm-hmm. If you live through the 80s, you remember this kind <laughs> of stuff. So it is called the Wolverines take the highway to the danger zone. So if you know your 80s, there's all kinds of Kenny Loggins and such already just oozing off of well, this. And one of the things I thought was really cool, because I bought this right away to support Chris, and I'm looking through it, and I find I actually am enjoying reading it. You were surprised. <laughs> you were shocked you it. that Chris, man. <laughs> after Hot Spots, finally turned out another decent <laughs> shirt. Yeah, one of the things I enjoyed about it was Chris took the time to have charts of phrases from the 80s. Because people these days don't remember the 80s yeah. like we do. Well, some of it's come back because fashion is cyclical. Yeah. And like True. when I was in high school, the 60s were making a comeback. After I left high school, 70s made a comeback. As of right now, all the Zoomers are running around in 80s fashion and don't know what it is. But he has specifically 80s slang. Yeah. Because like there. Psych has made a comeback. Except I think they spell it differently. Because I'm pretty sure in the 80s is P-S-Y-C-H-E. And now it's S-I-K-E. But I don't know. I'm not an etymologist of these things. But yeah, so if you need to know how to properly use gnarly and phrases like that, 
radical, tubular, then Chris has got you covered. Even though he was too old to actually be using those phrases yeah. in the 80s. Chris really should be more like a groovy man. Sort of. <laughs> no, he's more like thee and thou. Yeah, and verily, verily, I say unto thee that right. the commies invadeth the North American. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway. It's a fun book. I, yeah. like, so I've read through it. I really did enjoy what I read. Us making fun of Chris's side. If you're interested in picking up a Savage Worlds setting and block of adventure ideas and or supporting Chris and or just checking out some 1980s <laughs> nostalgic gaming. I will put a link. There is a PDF on drive through. I'm asking Chris right now if there's a print version or print on demand version. If there is, I will link that mm-hmm. in the show notes also. But there's definitely a PDF version, five bucks on drive through. So this is not an expensive thing. And once again, it's called The Wolverines Take the Highway to the Danger Zone. Or if you're in the car or on the subway, just check the show notes later. We will have a link to it there. Mm-hmm. You know, and Laura, I'm pretty sure some of his NPCs lie. <laughs> Wayne. What is the significance of this? So, do you remember the episode we did a little while back? That was actually, I think, the title of the episode was, was NPCs, NPCs Lie. Lie. Courtesy of me and my incredible naivety as that, a player. <laughs> that was the first time she found out that we talk about her on the show. It oh. was. I had no idea. That's why you need to listen. Because, yeah. <laughs> well, I do now. If you need to know our at least edited but semi honest opinion, no, I found out after the fact. I th- I think it was Wayne mentioned like, "Oh, we've talked about you in the in the show." And I went, "Wait, you did what now?" <laughs> and oh, yeah. The first and it time. wasn't yep. and it wasn't the first time and I found out that I had mm-hmm. made little guest appearances yeah. Yeah, and you stories. Have, yeah. yeah, we we edit out too. very little. We only edit out things like we won't give last names on people. And in the case of Dale's wife, she's become Larry because she works in a sensitive field. (laughs) So her name is Larry. And like when Pat was still around, we had to censor discussing his job because he was working on not quite classified, but almost classified things for Mm -hmm. a defense company. So we could not discuss what he did for a living. But otherwise, yeah, everything is fair game. The most we'll do is drop your last name. It was a while before you guys dropped my name, but yeah, Yeah. there was... A number of mentions about me, and then Cause that it, particular Hollow Earth. Well, and and we mentioned campaign. you quite a bit when we were going through the D and D game because right. it was a very interesting perspective of we have been gaming for years. I mean, I've been gaming since we were like what thirteen, nineteen eighty. Well, you were before us about eighty seven, probably yeah. for you eighty eight for me. And Wayne's been gaming for years as well. Mm-hmm. And just seeing D and D, I mean, boring old D and D. Through the perspective of somebody who hadn't played in a campaign before. I think yeah. you had played, what, I'd one played, game? I had played two different games. Yeah, like, like one Sasha, shot, yeah. sort of, yeah. Um, I had played one with you guys, and then my actual first one was in Minnesota mm-hmm. with Adam. Um, and, and that's what kind of got me started on it. Yeah. Um, but no, I had never played anything lengthy before. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know some of Chad's choices in that game came from when I started gaming... I'm gaming with a whole group of established players right. that are done with the tropes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't get to experience those. So he took that into yeah. account and he learned from my feedback back then of, I kind of missed out on all of that to present that for your first game, mm-hmm. yeah. your first campaign. It was a lot of fun. I yeah. I mean, obviously I enjoyed it. I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still playing. You were great. All, all of you well, guys thank were you. great. Uh, I, I enjoyed the hell out of running it. It was, it was so much fun. It was. I look forward to going back to it, hopefully. I soon. am intimidated by going back to it because had, they had built so much on their characters. And yeah. I yeah. really enjoy letting the players develop the lands, the story, and letting their characters have a huge amount of influence into things. And to go back to that means that I have to go back and re-engage with not only kind of what I built up, which was fine, but also what they had built up mm-hmm. with, with their wants and desires and their choices and their characters having to make tough choices and the aftermath of that. So, Laura, I'm going to get you started on this. You heard that show, of course, before you ran the game. I did. And the yeah. game was run, what, a week and a half now? The, the show uh, being the advice show. Yes, yes, yes. The advice show. And then you ran the game as of this recording. What was like a week and a half, two and a half weeks ago? Couple, yeah, a couple weeks two, ago. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. So what did you take away from the show that you thought? Well, I want to know. How do you think the game went? <laughs> well, we're going to come back to that. Because yeah. I'm going to take this in chron- We're going to go in chronological okay. order here. So let's start with 
where were you at mentally when you got the episodes? Like, where were you already at in your thinking? What did you look at in the episode and say, this is good versus this is not going to work for me? Mm-hmm. And we'll move on from there. But I want to take this yeah. in chronological order. So let's start with where were you at mentally when you first said, <laughs> I'm going to run this game for these people? Oh, I was terrified. <laughs> but it was your idea, right? Did anyone pressure you um, into it? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, looking at, at I'm looking at I Chad. Know, I know. So it, the idea had come up, and it always does around this time mm. of year. And it's sort of like a who wants to do it. And I made some comment yeah. in the moment. This is a Halloween game. Right. Yeah. And I made group, some comment in the moment of like, no way, I'm not doing that. Um, yeah, our group runs two themed games a year. We, we do a Halloween themed game and we do a Christmas themed game. So there's neither Febtober yeah. nor pornography themed <laughs> games. Febtober is in every game. Okay. Yeah. And pornography is in every game. Okay. Also true. Um, <laughs> so I, I think I ended up staying after the game a little bit to yeah. talk with Chad. And he kind of brought it back up. And I sort of hemmed and hawed and finally went, you know what? Screw it. If I'm going to run a, like my first game for experienced players... Mm-hmm this is really the group to do it in because they know me and they like me and they're mm-hmm. probably not going to be too mean to me. Two out theory. of three. <laughs> <laughs> and whatever, two, who knows? Yeah. Right. And so there was sort of that moment of like, mm-hmm. you know what? Screw it. I'll do it. I remember yeah. watching her face as she says this because I was still there late <laughs> yeah. too. She has this sudden moment of confidence. Like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And then the, her face goes from confidence energy <laughs> to Oh, oh my God! What did I just agree to do? <laughs> what did I get myself into? When the yeah. mind catches up with the mouth, yeah. Yep, it was a very intimidating undertaking, to be quite honest. And I mean, I've played with these guys, you know, mm-hmm. for a couple of years now. But so why do it at all, though? I mean, you said if this is the group to do it for, because and you gave some reasons, some which are more plausible than others, about why this is the right group. <laughs> but as someone who's never GM before, why do it at all? And I'm proud of you. I think it's great you did. And I could give you a thousand reasons why, as someone who's in the hobby, I want there to be more GMs. Mm-hmm. But what made you, as a never up to this point GM, want to do this? Because why not? <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, yeah. it's it's I enjoy playing. It seems, at least, when Chad mm-hmm. and when Wayne run, that they enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So I, I know Adam enjoys running, and I know a lot of people who do have a good time with it. And so it was sort of a natural progression. And also I like to do things that scare me because I'm crazy. (laughs) I was wondering if that having so many people around you that enjoy running and because I know some groups only have the one person that'll Mm -hmm. ever run. That's not our group. We have multiple people that all want to run and all want to play. I was wondering if that had any part in it. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, Chad has talked about, you know, wanting to get back into actually playing. Mm -hmm. And and he's had a couple of pretty lengthy campaigns that he's run for us. And so it was just sort of a, you know, why not? And if I'm going to do it, it might as well be now. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a perfect alignment, too. Yeah. And I am always trying to push people, not push people, try to sell people on the idea of running. Mm -hmm. My big thing is if you play role-playing games, you should run once, at least once, just so you know what goes into it. Yeah, what goes into it. You you Mm -hmm. see it from the other side. It will make you a better player. Yeah, I mean, I don't know for how many people this metaphor works, especially because we have an international audience, but I recommend for anyone that owns a car, you ought to know at least how to change a tire, mm-hmm. kind of what goes into how to change in the oil, you know, some simple sorts of things, because it gives you an understanding of why certain bits of maintenance are important for the vehicle, and why certain things work the way they do. And you start to see how the machine operates. And even if you don't understand it in detail, you do gain an appreciation for certain kinds of things and why they matter and what they do. And I think GMing does the same thing for gaming that you understand the game from a very different but also very important perspective you start to see the body as a doctor instead of as the patient Mm -hmm. and it very much changes your view on things so i know you got a lot of encouragement from chad from myself Mm -hmm. what about the actual episode (laughs) (laughs) there were some good tidbits in there to be perfectly fair like by the time i got the the raw cut of that episode adam and i had had a pretty lengthy conversation a lot of what was being handed out was 
were things that I had already been made aware of or suggestions mm-hmm. that I had already and, and for some backstory here the Adam that we're talking about is a guy by the name of Adam Gottfried mm-hmm. who's been very involved in Fear of the Con mm-hmm. he goes by the Almighty Bear yep. and, the the blind blind GM. GM. and the Blind GM and now he started a show yes. called the Blind GM which is actually something I want to get him on the show to talk about he would so, love to do that yes <laughs> and I would love to talk to him about that um, it's something I can see us doing in the future. Uh, <laughs> but no, but he can't I see, it. see what you did there. <laughs> but no, Adam's a really good guy. So who she's talking to is someone who is a great GM. I've mm-hmm. played in some of his games at Fear of the Cons and such. We've all podcasted with him. He's yeah. been on the show multiple times. So that was a solid place to go for advice. This was not barrel scraping mm-hmm. like Kevin Symbiette <laughs> or Chris Hussey. So. Yeah, so I... The the advice that I got was good, and a lot of it I honestly don't remember at this point because that episode was weeks and weeks ago. Right. But I would think that I could say pretty solidly I didn't receive any bad advice. Mm-hmm. There were pieces that I kind of went, eh, yeah, or, well, that seems like that should be common sense. Right. But it was it was helpful. Well, and also, I'm sure not everything's going to work for every person in every situation. Yeah. But was there any one or two things, whether it came from us or Adam or even just your own inspiration that you think were the really big things going into this that helped you in that lead up. Yeah. If you had to give advice to someone in your same position, what would you give them? I would say, go talk to Chad and Wayne from Fear the Boot. I'll be like, run it! I'll be in your game! I won't intimidate you at all! Yeah! I'll throw ones at you to run the game! Yes! Yes! Because that's that's actually... By the way, she got paid to run the game. It was great. Wow. Huh. It was was amazing. You know what? That's not a thing. I know this is not what you guys are getting at. (laughs) So, let me stress to the audience. This is a 90-degree right turn in the topic, but you guys talked about throwing ones in GMs. (laughs) I know you can get topless like bartenders that and topless poker. Can you get a? I, someone out there needs to be like. I'm not going to give them my money to an e thought, right? But like, if you are a an actual topless, topless GM, GM, I'm just saying there might be some money to be made there. Like Brodor and I would probably give you some money. So, so the actual I'll story, file that tip away. <laughs> the actual story of what happened there. You remember from the previous campaign, we talked a lot about Torm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Don's character was a torm. So the moment, <laughs> the moment she introduces a church into the city, Chad's like, "I'll pay you a dollar for it to be a church yeah, of torm." No, it, it was more like, and so you go to this town, and there's a temple there, and I'm like, "I will give you a dollar if it's a torm <laughs> temple." No, no, no. <laughs> and then I had the dollar out before oh, Chad yeah. had his out. It was. It was not a statement. It was a question. <laughs> yep. Is it a temple to Torm? And I was like, uh, no. Give you a dollar if it is. And it's a temple of Torm. So Hail for, Torm. For $2, Torm. it became a temple to Torm, and we immediately changed everything you had written down. Ah, not everything. <laughs> See? You guys She's definitely. a good game master. Yeah, yeah. all right. It's all so let's keep going through the chronology here. Mm-hmm. So now you're actually ready to start the game. Where did you start? How did you put it together? What did it look like when pen hit paper or finger hit keyboard? Or did you even take notes when the rubber hit the road? I definitely took notes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some of it was sketched out during various conversations with Adam. And some of it was just pulling different pieces together. I had kind of had an idea of where I wanted to head with it. Or, you know, like what kind of tropes I wanted to pull mm-hmm. in. And so some of it was just piecing together different things that I had in mind. Well, and so I know you picked the system specifically because mm-hmm. it was what you were most familiar with. Which was, one of the pe- which was one of the pieces of advice that I had gotten was to, to run something that I was familiar with. And it was definitely a solid piece of advice because between mm-hmm. me being more familiar with it, having more experience in my very limited scope in that and having Wayne, who I know knows the rules. Hey. <laughs> well, I think you... <laughs> You also made a good move in there and talking to Adam. I was just thinking that. It's like that was a piece of advice we did we not did, give. Is finding a mentor. To do a GM yeah. consult. Yeah. yeah who to, isn't going to be in the game. Well, yeah. and yeah. if it is someone, so let's say you don't know that many gamers. So maybe mm. the only gamers you know is the group you're in. If that was the case, I would suggest maybe finding a player in the group who you can trust to not abuse that metagame knowledge. Right. But in your case, you were able to find another experienced gamer and to say, hey, I've got some ideas. 
can I run some of these past you? Can I see what's mm-hmm. going to work or not work? Get some advice, get some encouragement. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't have another gamer in your life directly, I think if you find the right internet community, mm-hmm. forums, Facebook group, whatever, you might find a person or two in there that you can swap some PMs with or something to try and get some advice to make sure that you're on that path. And I'm going to guess, you know, Adam probably gave you both advice, but also encouragement along the process. Ed sent me a message like every day saying, (laughs) as soon as she runs the game, I want a report. You have to send me a report before you leave. Yep. He hit me up. How did it go? How'd you do? (laughs) He was, uh, he was very cute about it. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be annoyed with me for using that word, but it's fine. <laughs> He's adorable. Well, he goes, he, by, adorable. he goes by a bear name. He doesn't have, if he didn't <laughs> He's my be, boyfriend. I'm allowed to call him right. cute. Well, if he didn't want to be cute, he shouldn't go by a bear name. If he didn't True. want to be cute, he shouldn't have been cute. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. accurate. Yeah. With adorable. him with his button eyes and all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so And such perky nipples. <laughs> no comment. Button eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, button eyes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So in terms of bringing notes to the game... Mm-hmm. What did you bring? Was it one page? Was it a notebook full? Was um, it- I had like a little notebook that's one of those like quarter size notebooks okay. that I had several pages because I like to be very organized. And so I had several pages where I had, you know, here's events that are going to happen. Here are pieces of information that various people can give out. Here are my NPCs. Here are my places. Here are my stats for various monsters. And so, yeah, I was flipping through pages okay but... so let me pause on that because let me make sure i'm interpreting this right mm-hmm. so are you saying your notebook was organized topically yes okay see and i think mm-hmm. that's something great this is something that we've talked about on the show as an approach people ought to consider i mean there is no right way to game per se but one of the approaches that i strongly suggest is i think a lot of groups and a lot of GMs, they try to write their games on perfect chronology. They try to say they're going to start in this town, they're going to go here, mm-hmm. then they're going to encounter this monster, here's the stat block for the monster. Then they're going to go to this town, here's the stat block for the NPC, then they go to here and find a treasure chest, here's a treasure table. This is cute and worse for about 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I know enough about these guys to know <laughs> that... Maybe yeah. 30 seconds in, they're going to completely derail my plan, yeah. which they did. Oh, we and, didn't wait 30 seconds in. We did it before the game started. I mean, the Torm thing didn't really derail me, to be quite <laughs> well, honest. Oh, was, I meant her choice of character. Oh, well, that's, yeah. You guys were stupid about that. That's <laughs> your problem, not mine. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Torm is a proper noun, so that's yeah. pretty easy to roll with. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, players are going to go in places you didn't expect. In orders you didn't expect, they're mm-hmm. going to latch on to things you didn't expect. She experienced technical difficulty right away. Yeah. And that one of the, at least one of the character sheets two, did two not of the print. character sheets yeah. did Ooh. print. So there was print, no yeah. rogue, there was no whatever the yep. other Something one was. Else. And of course, there's no rogue. I wanted to play the rogue. <laughs> I didn't want to play a rogue until it didn't print. Well, <laughs> until it didn't. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, by the way, you're the topic of next show. I, I don't know if you've heard. Well, you're not on Facebook, so you haven't seen this. You are the topic of next oh, show. Actually, yeah. Yes, you actually are. So we're, we're going to come back Am I to you. be on that show? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Oh, yes, okay, yes, well, yes. Good. I want to listen to it. Thank God. <laughs> but yeah, next week's going to be about you. So anyway. Cool. It's going to be a great show. Uh, but I, the way that I've preferred to write my games is it's like. I write a, a tiny bit of chronology that to get me started to break that first silence. It's like a runway for a plane. Mm-hmm. Just enough to get my airspeed up. And once we've gotten in the air, everything from there is modular. Here's places they can go. Here's people they can encounter. Mm-hmm. Here's some necessary stats for various things. When they ask me for a name, I usually just have a random name generator already pulled up on my phone. <laughs> but... You know, I have all that stuff ready to go, and it sounds like that's the approach you took, not necessarily on my advice, but just that is... That's what made sense Yeah, that's just yeah. what mm-hmm. made sense. That's how I typically do my notes, but I, I like something Chad did with this last game when he was doing notes. Of each session, you would basically write the notes out for that session. So what I do, and I did for the fifth edition game is where I started this, and then I've also transferred into Blades in the Dark. The reason I did it, it has to do with names, and not just names, but characters. Both of these games, the 5th edition game, 
and the Blades of Dark game are very, very, very NPC character heavy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking like the local baker down the road whose name doesn't matter. I'm talking these are important people that are important to the characters. They have to be consistent so that the characters, the player characters can work, so they can function. I'm not good at that. I'm terrible at it. Yeah. I, like you say, I'm not your proper noun guy. No. So what I did is you take a notebook and you open it up. You have two pages in front of you. You have a page on the left and you have a page on the right. The page on the right is the story notes. These are the story beats I'm going to hit. I know they're going to try and, and sneak into this castle, so I'm going to put uh, something at the sluice gate and uh, possibly they can climb in a window. They did talk about a ladder, but... Uh, if they climb in the ladder, I'm going to want to have this wacky incident go on in this room and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Just kind of notes, beats, reminders. And this is kind of where I want it to happen. Mm -hmm. On the left side of the paper, it's like resources. Yeah. It is this monster, these characters. So there's 20 characters in this campaign. Well, they're invading the castle. That means that I know there's going to be three involved. So here are their names, here's who they are and what they are. Now, even if I know, like, I've been playing these NPCs every single game for the past year, I will still put it there. This is my instant reminder in case I just have a brain fart in the middle of the thing, because they're too important to their characters for me to forget. Yep. What uh, I'm going to do for the next mm -hmm. game that I run is I'm going to do like I usually do and have everything out in categories, but then for each session, I'm going to have my one-sheet cliff notes that is... Okay, I have all of these characters in this faction. They're probably only going to run into this one, so that goes on my cheat sheet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do that before each game because I saw how well it worked for Chad. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's something I frequently have to go back and reference things. So if I just take what I'm most likely going to reference, I've still got the book to reference if I need it. But then I've got my one sheet. Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense for like a, a long campaign. Yeah. So you made the characters, right? You made the I PCs? Did. Okay. Yeah. So well, when I say characters, I'm talking player characters. Yeah, pre-gens <laughs> here. I'm not talking non-player characters. So you made the PCs. Mm -hmm. So what went into writing the player characters? What were the things that you needed to be sure you hit? What was your thought process? On <laughs> group, group balance and Group balance? I'm sure Chad probably ignored or hijacked 90% of what you wrote. But, I mean, when you were pantomiming... Oh, no, this was a team effort. Okay. <laughs> it really was. It All was right. absolutely So when you were effort. pretending that you were dealing with human beings... <laughs> yes. So when you were buying the cat tree for the cat to ignore and sit in the box, mm -hmm. what was your thought process in designing the cat tree? A, a lot of it was all about balance, making mm -hmm. sure that there were characters that would be attractive for them to want to play as. So were you kind of thinking through, like, I know Wayne's going to latch on to this? Yes, and... I was. <laughs> there was a gnome bard. There, I, there I, was a gnome bard. I and there forbid were... <laughs> Wayne to play the gnome bard. I wasn't I going to play it, it anyway. There were, <laughs> what, two different magic users yep. because Wayne has always been a magic yeah. user mm -hmm. in the games that I've played with him. Oh. There was, I was <laughs> sure that he was going to go for one of the magic users. And, and no. that's why I intentionally played counter to what I usually play. Yeah. I chose a dwarven fighter. <sighs> Not to counter Laura. To counter to, myself. To myself. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I, I got the character sheets. I'm like, this is a bard. It's a gnome bard. <laughs> Wayne, you can't play this. You got to get out of your rut. Like you said, it's like no. I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna. Yeah, it's, yeah. I'd already picked. I gotta play the fighter because mm -hmm. yeah. I never play fighters. Yeah. And it wasn't so much that I was trying to pigeonhole no. players yeah. into playing specific characters. You gave us a lot of options that would be particularly good against what we were going to be dealing with, <laughs> and that you thought we would like, uh -huh. and we intentionally chose. We knew we are playing a horror game. We all chose not to take the they cleric. They refused to take the cleric. And I was so Halloween annoyed. Horror D &D game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was so annoyed. <laughs> and we didn't take anyone with healing either. Yep. <sighs> that was more I of an think afterthought. The, I, well, I think the ranger, ranger had said... I, I made sure that each mm -hmm. of the magic users had at least something that they could use to heal because I'm not <laughs> an idiot. And because I know you guys like to screw with things. Wayne took a dwarven fighter because he was really trying to play off script. Yep. I chose a half elf, half human, half draconic yeah. sorceress. Yeah. Which I just, we, we talked about that yeah. math last episode. Yeah, I could not not take that. <laughs> the three halves of, yeah. of a character. Dawn took the ranger 
because her character gave Laura's character in the fifth edition game a lot of crap for so being a ranger. Crap. Not just a ranger, an elven ranger. An, el- mm-hmm. an elven ranger. And so Dawn took it, it's like, I gave you so much crap, it's time for my comeuppance, so I will play the, the Elven Ranger. Yeah, so it was it was neat, because, yeah. I mean, they still, obviously, they were all characters that I wrote, and I knew that they would work, more or less, but it was very much the opposite of what I expected okay, to see Okay, but even them. if they didn't end up, they being the PCs, did not end up with the player that you expected... Mm-hmm. You still at least knew going in what your mix was going to be. And if they ignored characters, that says to me you had more than were played. So if if I'm making up numbers here, if there are four people playing, it sounds like you had six or seven player characters available. So, all right. Yeah, there were a lot of characters to pick from. We intentionally took the hard route. Right. We made to be hard on her. Right. Right. In fact, we didn't even think about it until the game started and we're like, wow. This was a really poor life decision, wasn't it? No, There's we, no cleric. Well, we did specifically say we weren't taking the cleric because it was a horror game. Yeah. yeah. There is a truth here to any game master mm. in any situation, new or old, and it ties right back into why I talked about suggesting modular GMing, is you can't predict what people mm-hmm. are going to do. Mm-hmm. You can ballpark it. You can say, I know that Wayne is... 75% likely to do this. And if he doesn't do that, the next 15% is this, and the next 10% is this. But eventually you get down to that tiny 0.01% of, I just did not yep. see that coming. Which yeah. is me picking a dwarven, a dwarven fighter. fighter. Yeah, No yeah. one would have seen that coming. And like in my case, if I'd been at that game, I probably, in 99 out of 100 games, would have taken the cleric. Mm-hmm. But in that 100th game, because Chad's sitting there saying, no, Dan, you can't play the player because that's what you usually play. Right. Or I just walk in and I'm in the mood because it's a one shot to try something weird. Mm-hmm. You as a GM cannot account for that. Nope. Just like you cannot account for us choosing to ignore all of your plot and instead get drunk with Boblin the Goblin in the first tavern <laughs> we walk into. Which, again, if you put Boblin the Goblin in your game, he better be part of the plot. Yeah, well, or you better be prepared Check to... Check off Boblin? Yeah, you better be prepared to accept that. All right. So let's move now. So they've got their PCs in hand. Mm-hmm. Did you give them any tips or advice and tell them this is what I'm looking for from this character? Or was it just like, here's a sheet, go forth and do? It was very much a go mm-hmm. forth and do. Would they have listened to me if I had <laughs> suggested a route? I have enjoyed as a player being hand, like getting to do my thing. I want to mm-hmm. get in there. I want to play. I want to figure out you know, who my character is, how I'm going to play this person. And so for me, I felt like part of the fun of the game, especially since I was doing pre-gen characters, would be to just hand them over and mm-hmm. figure out where you want to take them. Well, low expectations is a great insulation against disappointment. <laughs> and so also if you true. just presuppose that they're going to F up whatever I hand them anyway. We did. And I think a more serious bit of yeah. advice there is when you're GMing for a group, accepting in advance that you don't know what they're going to do with everything you hand them and trying to limit what you're going to attempt to plan and control mm-hmm. to the things you really can plan and control. Yeah. Don't, don't sweat the things you can't control anyway. Mm. I mean, there are tons of aphorisms and rhymes and poems to this effect, but there are things in life you can't control, and you'll live longer if you stop mm. stressing about those. Very true. And as a GM, you're going to waste a lot less time if you don't stress about those. Yeah. So after character selection and all, what was the next major curveball that we threw you? Because I have a feeling I know. What do you think it was? I think it was us choosing to go to the church that night. Well, oh. Wayne, you need to hush your whore mouth because <laughs> you've skipped a step in the game. No? Because before, I mean, maybe you guys threw a curveball before the batter was at plate. I was going to ask, so Laura, now everyone's got their character. Everyone's quiet, Got you know, quote unquote, for that group. <laughs> got their dice, got their pencils ready to go. How did you start? How did you set the scene? What was the first thing you said to break that uncomfortable silence? And how did you get, because that's rough. I mean, I'll tell you at a con, the first two or three sentences, they're the roughest ones to get out of my mouth. I spend more time planning that for a con game than anything else. Oh, yeah. And once that goes, there's there's momentum. I I was honestly not that worried about it, and I don't remember what I said. It was more so of a... So you were blackout terrified. Now you're in denial. <laughs> I mean, that's I not remember the far initial, from accurate. I don't remember the words or any of that, but I know the initial setup was you set up that we were walking into town, that mm-hmm. we had been traveling for a few weeks, and basically you 
you set it up that we were all a adventuring party that has been together for a while right. and we're now coming into this town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And kind of laid out the setting a little bit and just where do you go? This yeah. is what you see. Do you go right or do you go left? And kind of let them take it from there until okay. I needed to so pull the reins. Let me deconstruct that a little bit. So you gave basic setting information. Mm-hmm. This is where you are. Yep. And honestly, rote setting description is a pretty good place to start. Mm-hmm. And then you said you can go this way or that way. Mm-hmm. So you gave them a finite set of things to pull upon. Yes. Which that's another GMing technique we've talked about on the show before is giving people a set of things to pull on. And I think in this situation, there's two advantages to that. One is it gives the players a sense of what's possible, but also potentially, if they're being polite, what you had in mind. And then secondly, it gives you a finite series of places to start. It helps you subdivide a massive problem into discrete or smaller problems. Well, and it was strategic because... I had given them some general information, but I hadn't gone really into specifics. And regardless of which path they chose, they were going where I wanted them to go. So the choice was an illusion. The student has become the master. Because either way, they were going to end up where I wanted them to, and I could roll off of that. And I wanted to see them start interacting with each other and interacting with the NPCs. That realization is... That is how you achieve game mastering nirvana. When you understand (laughs) that they don't know. Mm -hmm. And I could see in a different situation, a group of players taking those two options, throwing them out the door and doing something else. Chad and I weren't going to do that to you on your first game. Mm -hmm. We're going to throw you some curveballs. We're going to make it fun for you and and us. Mm -hmm. We're not going to, if you give us two choices, like we're, we're standing in front of the town it's the only town around for miles, and we say it's the first 30 seconds of the game, this town, I walk the other way. Yeah, we're not no. going to do that to no. you. You still would have gone where I wanted you to. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> because Chicago I know you. Mm-hmm. I know you, and I was almost <laughs> expecting that to happen, and I had I had mm-hmm. contingencies for good. if that happened. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's good, because you need to keep in mind, when you're a GM, your players are a joke. <laughs> and jokes are all about subverting expectations. That's right. So you just start there. You say, look, they're going to subvert what I want. Mm-hmm. So any direction they walk is a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Yep. You just have to make it not feel like railroading. Right. All right. Now, Wayne, you may go ahead with your curveball question. <laughs> so what was the first curveball we threw you? You went to the temple that night. I made a stupid flub. Okay. In my mind, it was a flub. Uh, they were talking to one of my NPCs. And Chad's character, I believe, specifically asked if there was a temple in the town. Okay. Which, of course, there was. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, he said yes and, and sort of alluded to and then outright said, like, oh, and nobody goes over there. I gave too much information. Mm. I, I felt like I gave too you much information. <laughs> I made it too interesting. Yeah. And so instead of trying to rest that night and and then talking to other NPCs, they went straight to the temple that they were not supposed to go to until the end of the game. Mm. And I If all you want to do is get drunk in the boat, don't bait the hook. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You bait the hook and you just might have to deal with a fish. Oh, I baited the hook really well. That was a poor life choice. I had to very last minute, very unexpectedly come up with why they should something to get them away from it they weren't supposed to be there yet because the temple was where the big bad was yeah so between us at the start of the game and the temple was the context yeah (laughs) Yeah. which we walked around okay so how because i would have handled it a somewhat different way but i'm curious once again not because there's a right or wrong here but just because I'm wired to a different mm-hmm. way of handling this. For me, I think I would have moved it a little bit of, oh, it's still the temple, mm-hmm. but it's the catacombs that you're not going to see on your first visit mm-hmm. or even know exist. Heck, maybe the people who run the temple don't even know it exists or something like that. But I'm curious, so what did you use to keep them from going to the temple? 
Oh, they went to the temple. Mm-hmm. Oh, they did go to the temple. Oh, yeah. Oh, they went. Uh, they ran into the the crazed cleric who only spoke infernal, and they went inside the temple, and then they got attacked by unnamed aberration creatures that almost killed two out of three of so them. So, Priest of Torm that only speaks infernal. Yes. Well, he, he was having a bad yeah. day. Hell-torm. Yeah. Hell-torm. I'm not sure how he <laughs> got then, out of seminary on that. <laughs> and then we fought Oids. And they fought Oids. Oids. I had... <laughs> I had not planned for them to be there, um, and so I didn't have monsters prepared for the temple because the whole like it was going to be creepy and there was going to be illusion stuff going on. But they weren't actually going to have to fight anything inside the temple. It was all mental, and I had to get them away. So I just kind of made something happen, and I didn't know what they were. And I think Wayne, somebody asked if they were humanoid, and I'm like, no. So they just became oids. Yeah. yeah. They're not goblinoid. They're not dragonoid. So, they're not humanoid. They're just oids. <laughs> they're just oids. oids. Okay. Yeah. So what, so how did, did you like make them avoid the oid? Like, did they have, <laughs> no, no, oh, they, no, no, she almost wiped the party yeah. out. The I almost, oids handed I, us our ass. That's why we left the temple. <laughs> yes. Because if we didn't, we would die. By I, us, it was you mean you and Dodd, because yes. I walked out with two characters over my shoulder. Right. Yeah. No, Wayne's now, that's a risky fine. play though, because yeah. some parties will not retreat. Mm-hmm. Some parties, if yeah. there is a battle, it is meant to be won, and they won't yeah. retreat. I I knew my audience, <laughs> yeah, or at least I sort of knew my audience, <laughs> and and I figured if I was pushing them that hard, that they would take the hint and get out. And if not, you know, there were other characters they could suddenly mm-hmm. become, and I'd try to kill them a different way. And that's also a good opportunity, too, of, you know, we, we go to the temple, we're not supposed to be there, the fight is handed to us where it hands us our ass, and we die. I mean, that's a perfect opportunity for a fade to black, and then the lights come on, and it's like this Conan moment, like you're chained to a rock, and you're about to be sacrificed, and all this crazy well, stuff is happening, and then it's mm-hmm. the escape. There's something else that you mentioned in there that I like. Which is you talked about pulling them into other characters. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually useful advice for any form of a one shot in particular is if you don't want somebody sitting the game out because the dice rolled poorly or because they made bad choices or whatever, mm-hmm. it's not a bad idea to have if there's five people at the table to actually have mm-hmm. seven characters there mm-hmm. so you can deal another one in pretty quickly. Yeah. So I think we even I've, questioned like what if we die? I mean, it's only 20 minutes in. And yeah. I think you said, well, you're just going to have to pick another character. Yep. And then we were like, well, I'm not picking the cleric. I'm not. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, never learn. When we say the party <laughs> almost died, this is D&D 5th edition where you do the death game. Mm-hmm. Dawn had two failed had rolls two failed on it. Saves, yeah. Yeah. She was one roll away from actually the character dying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's no small feat in 5th edition. No, it's not. It was close. It was really The minigame is designed to keep you out of things. It is not really designed to rush you to the grave. Right. Right. You know, in 1st edition style. And one of the things that you did, too, that I enjoyed was you added a mechanic to the game. I did. Mm -hmm. It was fun. Um, I added a sanity mechanic. And so for different things that they encountered they had to roll a wisdom save and if they failed the save they lost two sanity points okay so no wait a minute wait did adam know you were doing this it may have been adam's suggestion okay (laughs) well adam i am disappointed and and here's why oh no (laughs) chad's not a rules guy so i don't expect him to know this wayne's not been in gaming long enough so i don't expect him to know this but second edition on back had a built-in morale mechanic for D&D. There actually was a courage and sanity mechanic built into D&D. But her and Adam are not a thousand years old like you are. <laughs> I, well, I'm not a thousand well, years and old. How she did this is when we hit thresholds, <laughs> when we hit thresholds well, of sanity, we had the equivalent of like fate tags yeah. on us, mm-hmm. of paranoid. Okay, or, that is different than how. Yeah. Like, yeah, it wasn't just morale. Yeah, that, that is a bit different than how. I liked it because it's advanced game mastering technique. Yeah. yeah, rules alteration. Your first well, game out the gate, and you're rules. already like, nah, this isn't working for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fiddle around. With well, these rules. and not just that, but rules alterations that are not quantitative, but are qualitative in nature. Right. So it's yeah. not just I'm gonna give you a plus one, or I'm gonna give you advantage mm-hmm. or disadvantage. She didn't do anything at all with after she told me I'm paranoid. 
just left it for me to roll with. And yeah. that became part of the character for the rest and of the game. And there's some trust yeah. in there. And you know what? I, good on you for having that trust, even if it was a con game. Mm-hmm. You have to take some risk to reap any rewards. Yep. If somebody screws it up, okay, just take an E and run down the clock. You know, or a game around it, whatever it is you have to do. But, no, I think that is great that you did that. While there was a morale panic in previous editions of D&D, it was relatively binary-ish. You know, it was more or less a just a raw fear mechanic. Yeah. It didn't give you qualitative traits like now you're paranoid mm. or now you have a rift sphere of boats or whatever it is that <laughs> my character wasn't able to rest that first night because intentionally so. he was being haunted while the others were unconscious they were fine they got to rest and that was something that i could then play off of for mm-hmm. the next day well and to add on to that it wasn't just the sanity mechanic i intentionally did that so that i could start handing out levels of exhaustion and start forcing people to roll at a disadvantage on things Mm -hmm. and forcing people to then incur those penalties to try to make the game more interesting. Yeah. And And the real horror of the game is she set us at level two when you get all the cool stuff at (laughs) level three. Yeah. Okay. So Adam, I'm having heard this now. I am no longer disappointed. (laughs) I I am now proud. So (laughs) it's very Lovecraftian, but Mm -hmm. you know, that, that Mm -hmm. works for a horror game. Well, Mm -hmm. and what was cool about it, adding it in, is that D&D is a high heroic game. Yeah. You know, you're not really supposed to lose right. at D&D, but this is our Halloween horror game. If you're an unstoppable murder hobo, well, what's scary about that? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. when by the time we had reached the big bad, all of this stuff, like, yeah, we could punch anything or set it on fire, make its head explode. But when we encountered something that freaked us out, mm-hmm. and then now we're not quite as powerful as we were at the beginning of the game that's one of the keys to running a horror game yeah and that was actually one of the reasons i wanted to play against type and do Mm -hmm. the fighter because i had a feeling whatever we were going to fight was going to be some sort of horror or demon Mm -hmm. and so i wanted to take somebody that had no magic no Mm -hmm. faith Nothing that would make him be able to actually deal with that. Yeah. Because it's a Halloween horror game. Yeah. Which is also, we made a lot of jokes, but it was also the legitimate reason why we did not take the cleric. Yeah. Because we're like, this is going to be a horror game. There's going to be some stuff. Like, what if she starts throwing skeletons and zombies at us? Well, the cleric is like, hail Torm, hail Torm, hail Torm. And everybody's running. (laughs) Ooh, scary. They're all afraid of the cleric. Mm -hmm. So we didn't take the cleric. Yeah. Let's now get to what you were supposed to give your report on, how do you think the game went? How do you feel overall on the backside of it? How do you think the game went? What do you think went well? What do you think didn't work out? How did we screw up? Yeah, what, 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 <laughs> what do you think you of screw your... screw up, Chad? <laughs> no, right? What do you think Man. of your players? So let's take that one question at a time. How do you feel overall the game went? Overall, I think it went well. It went about as well as I expected it to. It was a lot of fun for me. It seemed like my players had a lot of fun. And I felt like I was prepared enough that I wasn't scrambling too much. There was a lot of good interaction. And generally speaking, I felt it went well. There were definitely parts that I felt I should have prepared better for. I didn't do a good enough job, I think, anticipating where they were going to go off the rails. Next episode, she had to deal with Chad's character pissing off the NPCs. Oh, my God. Left and right. (laughs) Um, I also had to deal with Chad's character and Dawn's character bickering (laughs) constantly. (laughs) She was a snob. (laughs) I'm shocked you're shocked. That's the only thing I got to say about that is I'm shocked you're shocked. You went to an AA meeting and ran into alcoholics. (laughs) Okay. What's the news? It made it interesting and it kind of threw me off a little bit because when the two of them are bickering back and forth like an old married couple, (laughs) how how do you pull that back and how do you Mm. rein them in without forcing it? Because I didn't want to just I didn't want to stop it and I didn't want to be like, hey, knock the the off, man. Like you're being ridiculous. Right. I liked one of the ways you handled it. In one particular scene, what the NPC did was just ignored them and start talking to my character. I mm-hmm. loved that. Particularly because your character was being nice to my NPC. And yeah. these two were just, you know... I mean, we were both playing snobby bickery elves. Okay. And the other thing that she did that I thought was great 
is that when our elves started doing their elf snob thing, <laughs> either together or separately, we would go in and we were talking to NPC. This was after we got our asses handed to us and we we're mm-hmm. actually like engaging with the story. <laughs> doing what the they're character. supposed right. to do. <laughs> when we started engaging with the NPCs, they started out either neutral or positive to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Dawn and I started interacting with them in character as our snobby bitchy elves, their opinion of us noticeably started dropping rapidly. Uh-huh. And then the negative opinion stayed consistent through the whole game. Yep. And it was great. It was <laughs> it was it was wonderful because we were role playing in character, having a great time, and I think that the hallmark of being an is when you are a jerk, yet you are surprised when everyone treats you like a jerk. Mm-hmm. The good way of doing it is enjoying the consequences you reap. Yeah. Uh, well, hold on to that because that is <laughs> that is literally our next episode. It is. So hold on to that. But Laura, I'm going to ask you in closing here. I want you to give yourself a letter grade. Oh no. Hmm? I want um, you to give yourself a letter grade. I want you to give us letter grades. Well, no. Well, okay, we can do that too. But I want you judge to, me. <laughs> I, I want you to give yourself as a game master a letter grade. I would probably give myself a solid, like, B minus. Okay. I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. Oh, no. (laughs) So let me tell you, I I noted here a few takeaways I got from the game. Mm -hmm. You said you had fun. Mm -hmm. The players reported they had fun. Absolutely. Your setting was sufficiently engaging that they were role-playing with each other and interacting with your NPCs. Your setting was sufficiently interesting that it compelled them to try new paths and new ideas outside of what their default, I don't care, sort of, this is, I'm just going to fall into the same old, Mm -hmm. same old sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You were able to react to some things that they did that were off of the expected path. You demonstrated some very solid, advanced sort of GMing techniques with the modular Mm -hmm. gaming, with the rules modifications, I wasn't there, but I am telling you, if this was put in front of me as a printed report and I was asked to mark it and file it, this is a solid A game. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I agree. I will tell you now what I told Adam in my report to Adam, <laughs> because Adam asked for a report. Like he does. This was the best new GM first game that I have ever experienced. And I put it much higher than a lot of games by a lot of seasoned GMs that I've played at at cons. Easily an A in my book. I am blushing so hard right now. (laughs) My report on my takeaway on it is not actually about you and your game mastery. Because I I would just say what these guys said. They're they're absolutely right. I 100% agree. My takeaway is a conversation I had with Dawn afterwards where I was sitting there and I'm like, did we this up (laughs) this was after the game was over and everybody left Mm -hmm. because we're sitting there i mean we had a great time we had a really great time and then we're sitting there we're talking about the game her and i and we're like yo because we played two bitchy friends Mm -hmm. who were just really bitchy to each other and we were like this was the halloween game this was the spooky game were we which was she trying to run a serious game and we brought comedy to it? Did we mess this up? Dude, nah. have you ever watched a horror movie? <laughs> I mean, especially the classic horror movies. Right. The amount of social dysfunction <laughs> that is occurring in the background of so many of the classic mm-hmm. horror movies. Yeah, and there's always the comedy in there to yeah. lighten it. Yeah. Because if you're just suspense the entire time, oh, then it's, it's too it's, much. Yeah. You yeah. need the comedy to lighten it so you can come back to the suspense. Absolutely. I went in specifically with the mindset of I'm not going to play a comedic character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I added some comedy here and yeah. there. You right. things you like generally the straight man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was intentional other than introducing Yelp the Bard. <laughs> right. Yeah. Other than that, I, I played the, the straight man for it because being a Halloween game, mm-hmm. I wanted to take it a little more seriously. Right. And you guys had the comedy covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I figured if I come in and play this straight hero, the you know, the non-comedic yeah. one, mm-hmm. it would help balance out and get the tone yeah Mm -hmm. in talking to her about that that was my biggest concern was Mm -hmm. that dawn and i specifically we had too much fun (laughs) we we enjoyed it too much and we brought a lot of laughs and comedy to it and then when we kind of came down on that we're like oh crap was she running something 
more serious that we weren't taking seriously. So as a piece of takeaway mm-hmm. for you that, that is just a suggestion, because you did great, would be if you're going to run a game like a romance game on Valentine's Day, a mm-hmm. Christmas game, a horror game, a comedy game, a Western, a serious game, dark game, anything like that. When you sit down, look at the characters, and if you are going, you weren't running a serious game, but let's let's say you were. Let's say that this was going to be deadly serious, mm-hmm. like this was going to be dark, scary, and horror. Mm-hmm. Right? Look at the players and say, "Okay, guys, this is going to be a serious, scary ass game. Mm-hmm. Let's put on our serious faces." Yeah, here. and I think that you didn't, which is why I think maybe Dawn and I didn't screw up. <laughs> you didn't. You did not. And again, I know my audience. Mm-hmm. I know my. I know my group well enough that I expected that and I anticipated that from you guys. I didn't intend for it to be this super dark, horrible, or I would have said something either before the game or out of character when you guys were going at it. Yeah. Um, I I would not have let that go if that, Mm -hmm. if, if my intent had been otherwise. Yeah. So let me ask you a question to close this on before I do, I'm going to, give a general piece of advice. And this is something we gave in the advice show. And I'm going to, I think, reiterate again now, which is when you're doing this, I mean, be prepared, dot your I's, cross your T's. Don't take this too seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, theoretically, these are people that are your friends. These are people that cared about you. They invested in this, even if it's a convention, they're there because they want to have a good time. Unless there's just some dysfunctional jerk, in which case that's their problem, not yours. <laughs> that's next week's episode. And, <laughs> and stay tuned. That even in a worst case scenario, even if it bombs, mm-hmm. it's a couple of hours that no one's going to remember in a matter of weeks anyway. Right. It's not the end of the world. Nobody is great every time they go to bat, and it may just so happen to be that your first time at bat is your worst time at bat. I, you know, I don't know. But, you know, I, you did a really brave thing by doing this. And I think you had the right attitude going into it. So my question, I want to close this on. And the answer may be no. Is there anything that you noted that if you were to run a second game, it doesn't have to be a sequel, it could be a standalone, mm-hmm. whatever. But for the next game you like run. Like when you run this at Fear the Con next year. <laughs> what is it, if anything, that you think as a GM you need to change or do differently or improve upon or just be prepared for maybe not improve upon, but I think I would prepare better for when things do go off the rails. And I started out having specific ideas for specific pieces that I expected them to screw up Yeah, places that I expected them to go off the rails or that I knew there was a good chance of it. And the places that they did that most of the time were not places that I expected it. So I think having, for me, having things or, um, you know, encounters that I can slot in easier that I have prepared that I know, you know, this is what I'm going to do if X, Y, Z happens that I can adapt, but still I just, I felt like I was missing that piece of it. Well, some of that also just comes from experience because, I know one of the things that I struggled to pick up as a GM is what I'll call the nth option. So let's say there is a general and they are going to encounter this general. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, okay, what are the options here? Well, option A is they talk to the general. Okay, well, here's what's going to happen if they do that. Option B is they're going to walk away from the general, not talk to the general. Well, I need them to get some plot info. So here's another NPC that could give it. Mm-hmm. Option C is they kill the general. And if they do that, blah, blah. Well, there's always an nth option that I mm-hmm. didn't think of. I, for example, they walk up. And instead of talking to the general, they talk to the general's aide de camp. And they convince the aide de camp to usurp and kick out the general and take the army in a different direction. Yeah, And the RP's there, the roles are there, everything's mm-hmm. in line. And I just, you cannot prepare for everything they do. Mm-hmm. And some of that, you yes, you can write somewhat better notes or get a little bit better at that. Some of it, it just comes from the confidence and the experience of having done it enough times that, one, you feel you know how to do it. But, and, you know, actually, maybe that's the only point, is it's not just knowing how to do it, because I think most people that have a creative streak do know how to do it. It's that operative word there, feeling you know how to do it, of feeling the confidence to make a decision and stick with it. 
So, Laura, I want to thank you very much for coming on tonight. And thank you for having me. Thank you. I want to thank you for running that game. <laughs> You're I, welcome. I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was You're a lot welcome. of fun. I'm yep. glad you guys had fun. I really liked it. <laughs> and as for you guys at home, be watching the social media stuff and also the show notes and upcoming shows for more links on Fear the Con. And, and I do have one more question. Oh, no. Will you run games in the future? Oh, absolutely. Will you run campaigns? In the I am considering it. <laughs> Maybe. Excellent. <laughs> so, thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week in great games, and we will catch you next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2019. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.